You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. As most of you know, we are a worldwide denomination which welcomes everyone to worship with us regardless of age, race, gender, status or lifestyle. Whether you're meeting us here for the first time or whether you're a regular attender, you are most welcome. As I said on the last occasion that I was privileged to lead our service, we long to see each other face to face in our church. But we are here together now thanks to God and his gift of technology. Tonight, we will be introduced to St Matthew through his Gospel. And his Gospel will be referred to quite often in our worship over the next few weeks. And David will also lead us tonight in considering what images we and the wider church have of the Kingdom of God. And this includes you. What does the phrase Kingdom of God mean to you? One thought to ponder is the clue that Jesus gives us in the prayer that he gave us. Our Father, moving on to your kingdom come and your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When we act according to God's will, made clear by Jesus' life, we all become a part of creating God's kingdom here on earth and then the world becomes a better place. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, we often need reminding that our faith in Jesus involves us in action, to put into practice all that he taught and by showing us how to live. Give us the clarity of vision to see how we might change your world and the courage to act on it so that your world will become nearer to that kingdom which you desire for all of us. Amen. And now our first reading, which is from St Paul's letter to the church in Rome before hearing the Gospel of Matthew. The reading is taken from Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but as sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I wish to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what 
I do not want to do. It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched person I am, who will receive rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in mind, am slave to God's law, for in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the book of Matthew chapter 11 verses 16 to 19 and verses 25 to 30. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable to you, O God. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was asked to do a short meditation and prayer for a series being put out by Newcastle Cathedral. I was supposed to start by saying, for me the kingdom of God is. I added today at the beginning and talked a bit about a Muslim shopkeeper I know who does a tremendous job of getting individual people, voluntary organisations, local churches and the council to help some of her more needy customers. And she's very generous herself. I think that that today 
is important in this little story. Jesus didn't seem able to pin down exactly what the kingdom is. It's like this, it's like that, it's like the other, was his sort of description. So ideas about it do seem to be provisional and conditional upon circumstances. Even its title gets changed. Today we're looking a bit at the Gospel according to St Matthew, and he only mentions the Kingdom of God four times, preferring to write about the Kingdom of Heaven, and using that term more than 30 times. That fact gives us a bit of a clue as to what's behind this Gospel, but we'll come to that later. The word Gospel is a translation of the Greek word for good news or good message, and its use by Christians was an act of defiant assertiveness. When a Roman general had won a battle, this would be proclaimed as good news, gospel. So in taking over that term, the early Christians were saying, no, that's rubbish. We have the real good news. It's in the first line of St Mark's gospel, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now it's generally believed by scholars that St Mark's Gospel is the first of the four. It's also the shortest. It's written in not very good Greek and it doesn't include quite a lot of what we find in the other Gospels. However, two of the other three, Matthew and Luke, include most of what's in Mark, sometimes word for word, sometimes tweaked a bit. So they've copied from Mark. We'll leave aside St John's Gospel so far as this sermon is concerned, as it comes from a rather different tradition. Matthew and Luke also have sections common to both, which suggests that they both had a source of information which Mark did not have. Scholars call that source Q. And Matthew and Luke both have, mater both have material which neither, which neither the other nor any other Gospel has suggesting that the author of each had his own sources as well. So we've got the first three Gospels which, because of all the similarities, can be looked at together, despite the differences among them. Plus, of course, the Gospel according to St John. The great temptation then is to put them all together, iron out the inconsistencies and claim to have a true picture of Jesus and what his life and death were about. That's a big mistake. You just get the lowest common denominator and miss what each gospel writer is trying to say. Some of you will be familiar with newspapers, either online or in print. With them, each one tells the same story differently or expresses opinions based on true facts but which are different from those of its rivals. It's a bit like that with the gospels. An example, in St Mark's Gospel, there's a story of Jesus' disciples taking him into a boat, which then gets caught in a storm. Jesus is asleep, but on being woken up, stills the storm, and everyone on board is safe. St Matthew changes this. The disciples do not take Jesus on board. They follow him onto the ship. And we can remember that the word disciple means learner and follower. 
and Matthew does not use the usual word for storm that Mark uses, but one meaning earthquake, an odd choice when referring to a rough inland sea. Also, when he's woken, Jesus says to his disciples, O oh, you of little faith! He does not say that in Mark, but does several times in Matthew. And in Matthew, but not in Mark, there are people other than disciples in the boat. Not men, as many translations have it, but people. All this suggests that Matthew wants his readers to understand the story as being about the church and Jesus' followers, disciples. Earthquake is sometimes used by Matthew of the end time, when despite the fears of church members, the church would come to no harm. The people in the boat who were not disciples are thought to represent those who learnt about the faith through the church's preaching. And in this story by Matthew, we have the church thought of for the first time as being a ship, one which will survive the storms it will encounter. So we see Matthew the theologian, Matthew who has, who has his own take on the Jesus story, as has each gospel writer in his own way. Back to the kingdom of heaven. And remember, in Matthew, it's mostly kingdom of heaven, not kingdom of God. The preference is Matthew's. He's chosen to use that term. It's because, as we can see from many episodes in his gospel, he's writing for a Jewish readership. And out of respect, Jews tried to skirt around being too explicit about God. When did he write? Nobody knows for certain, but it seems likely that it was in the last quarter of the first century, possibly a bit later. Similarly, we don't know who actually wrote the Gospel, despite its having Matthew's name attached to it. Mark's Gospel is much earlier, possibly dating from the late 60s of the first century, but still 35 years or so after the crucifixion. There's quite a gap between the two Gospels, time enough for the animosity between the Jews who had converted to Christianity and the rest to develop. And we've got an example of this in tonight's Gospel reading from Matthew. At a Jewish wedding it was one of the functions of the men who were present to do the dancing. And at a Jewish funeral it was one of the functions of the women who were present to do the wailing. In our story Jesus has children wanting to play at weddings and funerals, but their friends wouldn't join in. It's included as a way of criticising the Jews of Matthew's time. They'd refuse to follow John the Baptist, who led a very austere life, and they'd refuse to follow Jesus, who liked a good party. They'd neither wail nor dance, as it were. In today's Gospel reading, there's only a little bit that is exclusive to Matthew. The last three verses. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. This is an echo of lines in a pre-Christian book called Ecclesiasticus, which is sometimes printed alongside the Old Testament and which would be well known to Matthew's Jewish readers. It reflects the idea of Jesus as the second Moses, Moses the great lawgiver. 
but unlike the Jewish leaders of religion, who put all sorts of extra legal burdens onto people, the yoke or discipline of Jesus is simple. Love your neighbour as yourself. We see the kingdom of God in people who manage to do that, or rather the kingship of God, a better translation. We should not risk thinking about the kingdom in terms of geography. So remember my story about the Muslim shopkeeper. And to the extent that we all love our neighbours as ourselves, each of us exhibits that kingship. Jesus respected children. He seemed to reckon that they, in their innocence, show us the kingship of God. So, another story to end, one which I think tells us a little bit about that kingship and its infinite variety, God being infinite. Someone sent me a short film the other day. It's got two main characters. One, a little boy, gets his mother to give him some sandwiches. He goes off and sits on a park bench. Also on the bench is a lady of the streets, a bag lady. The boy shares his lunch with her. She smiles beautifully. They hug each other and go their separate ways. The boy goes home and tells his mother he's seen God. And she's a lady. The woman goes off and chats to one of her friends. I've seen God. He's younger than I thought. Amen. The response tonight for our prayers. Loving parent, hear our prayer. Loving parent, hear our prayer. As we come into a time of prayer and reflection, remember all those who battle with HIV and AIDS, and all those who work to find a cure alongside the ongoing trials of PrEP. We light a candle to remember those people. We lift to you, Heavenly Parent, all those who have been affected by COVID-19 around the world. We pray that you will give strength to all those who are currently battling the virus and to all those who are suffering with the after effects the virus have left on their bodies. Loving parent, hear our prayer. We thank you, God, for all our key workers who have kept this country moving during this difficult time. We pray that you will give them rest and recuperation after long and hard shifts. Loving parent, hear our prayer. We pray that you will support our siblings who are negotiating the tricky path of asylum in our country. We thank you for letting us help the most vulnerable through the work of Rainbow Home. Loving parent, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are sick and unwell at this time, and for those who have recently have lost a loved one. We pray that you will wrap them in your parently hug that encompasses them, and let them know that you are here. Loving parent, hear our prayer. We lift up our church community at this time. We thank you that we have been able to remain as a family over the past few months 
through technology and for all the people going above and beyond to pull the different parts of the service together. Loving parent, hear our prayer. Let us take some time to make our own prayers to our loving parent. We join all our thoughts and prayers by saying the prayer on the screen together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Let us say together the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and evermore. Amen. Let us go forth to continue the work of God in building the kingdom of God on earth. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.